Kings. At the time of this recording, the Christmas season is in full swing. People are a little more cheerful and giving than usual. Now, hopefully, that's in recognition of the gift that God gave us in Jesus. Today, I want to touch on more reasons to celebrate and ask the question of what could we possibly give to the one who has given us so much? All this in this two-part series called Gift to the Giver. Now, when it comes to movies and especially this day and age with social media, what we tend to find out is that it's not always how it seems. Now, not to say that what we are seeing isn't what really is, but sometimes what we're seeing is that there's more to what's being presented. And so it is kind of with this topic. You know, when we talk about things like uh, the birth of Jesus, we typically show our value in it. You know, we show our appreciation in it. We tend to celebrate both the gift that God has given us as Jesus and then also the gift that Jesus gave by dying on the cross when it comes to Easter. And this is well depicted on our calendars as Christmas and Easter. We do a little extra at that time, as we should. But I also feel that sometimes we mistake the trailer for the movie. We take the snippets of the trailer and we take that as the whole story when there are actual details and things that we can extract from the story that can help us in our walk. Now, I know for me, as I continue on in my walk, that what becomes increasingly impressive is not just the birth of Jesus and also not even really the death of Jesus and his resurrection, but what increasingly becomes more impressive is Jesus' life, his day-by-day life, his walk. And looking in on those things, keying in on those things, has helped me progressively more and more. Now, we acknowledge his life and extract lessons from it, but for some reason, though, we may not appreciate it, it seems, or it doesn't move us to celebrate. Even though when you stop and think about it, him being crucified doesn't matter if he doesn't live the right way before that. And when I say celebrate, I'm not saying hip hip hooray. Um, More so what I'm meaning is to increase its importance in our mind. So we celebrate Easter. We celebrate Christmas. We literally stop some of the things that we're doing. Our mind state changes. um, And sometimes even our actions change in light of these times of year or really these events that happen. So really what I'm looking at is just an increase in the reverence of his life, of his walk, more so than anything else. But I think that's that can be kind of hard. And if I delve deep I don't really have to go that deep, really. I can see reasons that it seems a little less significant. 
I think that part of the reason is that it seemed that Jesus had the cheat code for miracles and everything else. It seems like the New Testament was like some sort of highlight reel for his great and excellent exploits. I mean, very few times did it seem that Jesus really struggled. And for many of us, there may be few days that we don't. Another reason could be that he was literally God on earth. Emmanuel. And even though, yes, he was wrapped in flesh and those limit, had those limitations and took on those limitations, relinquished those abilities. And I guess in our minds, at least in my mind, he was sort of still Emmanuel. He's, he's God with us. Um, even though that with us part could be with us as far as not just physically, but also experientially. All the all to say that it still seemed like he had a hint of a an advantage that we don't typically carry. And so in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking, well, Jesus, he should be batting a thousand. But when we start to look a little closer at scripture, we see that not only was Jesus's life not as easy as it seemed, but in some ways it was a lot harder. And heck, we can start with Hebrews 4, verse 15, which mentions that he was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. Now, see, for me, I get tempted, but I'm not tempted in all ways. There's some things I don't even think the devil bothers with trying to tempt me with because it won't work. Not that I'm so much better than the lady who kicks puppies. But my temptations are in other places. And even though I'm not tempted in all ways, just in a lot less than all, I still sin. And Jesus was tempted in all ways and still without sin. And so it makes sense how he can say that he's how scripture can say that he can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And now I'm sure there are some temptations out there that I haven't come across yet, but, but let's picture it. If you're the devil and this Jesus guy is on the scene, is there anything that you wouldn't try to try to derail him? Is there any tactic, anything that you wouldn't use? And with all of that, the scriptures say that, again, he was tempted in all ways. I can't even imagine that having that sort of vulnerability. And every time that he overcame temptation, it was because he literally had to make the choice to do so. It makes sense. It makes sense why he would pray so much. It makes sense why he would be so devoted. And even with all of that devotion, even with all that dedication, I'm sure that being wrapped in flesh, that some days he was just tired. That one would just get tired. 
And again, yes, we should celebrate his birth. And we should celebrate him for dying for our sins. But we do tend to overlook the cross that he carried, the cross that he bore for over three decades. Luke 9 and 23 says that we must deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily. And he did just that. And he did it under the most extraordinary circumstances. And he knew that taking up this cross, this invisible cross, so to speak, that it was something that's not only important for him to do, but for us to do as well. In Matthew 10, 38, he says, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So he took his journey seriously. So when you read or casually hear that it's said that Jesus, that he gave his life for us. I start to think about that in two ways. One, that he gave his life at Calvary. And then also that he gave his life, he dedicated his life daily to his greater purpose. 2 Corinthians 4 11 says that for we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. And then in Luke 9, 24, it says, those who try to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their lives for his sake will save it. I think that Jesus in doing this and living his life, carrying it out this certain way, provided us a great template on how we should serve our, how we should live for him. Um, I don't want to butcher this. I think it's in 2 Thessalonians 5, 15. Um, it says, and that he died for all, that those which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. Bunch of scriptures I'm throwing at you. Maybe it's too much. Something to dig into a little bit later, but all that to say that he gave his life, the days of his life, to his calling. And we've been gifted the fruits of his sacrifice. Not just from what it purchased us, so him living that life positioned him to sacrifice his life, to purchase our salvation, to die for our sins. But then also he provided a template for us and showed us the blueprint with how, which, for which how to live. And even to this day, you know, we'll all acknowledge that God continuously blesses us. Scripture says, thanks be to God, which loads us daily with blessings. And it's like Psalm 68. And I kind of went on a journey with this, you know, with with gratefulness. I remember talking to my grandmother years and years ago 
she had just had knee surgery, I think in like both knees or something like that. And, you know, I'm calling her, I'm talking to her, I'm like, hey, grandma, how are things going? This, that, and the other. And, um, you know, she says, you know, I'm thankful to God and all this jazz. And um, she said, my legs, I said, well, how are your legs? She said, my legs hurt, but I thank God that I have legs to hurt. And when she said that, that kind of hit me. You know, I was like, wow, that's that's a real that's a real thankful posture. That's a good posture to have, even though you're going through something that's uncomfortable, is to find a way to be thankful that you at least have legs to hurt. I mean, because come on, let's face it. I mean, she could have complained to me throughout that whole conversation. And on some level, I would get it. I bet it stinks if your knees hurt and achy and you can't get around to where you want to get around to. You're not as mobile as you're used to being mobile. You have to depend on more people to help you do things that are otherwise simple. You know, even if she would have taken that time to complain a lot of it or a little bit, that would have been acceptable. I would have understood it. But for her to take that route, that direction, it did leave an impact on me that that has an, an indelible, undeniable impact on me. And I sat there with those thoughts and allowed God to unpack it. And what I came to realize was that in almost within almost every complaint, there's evidence of a blessing. If you had a bad day on the job, well, the blessing is that you have a job. If your kid's not acting the way that you want them to act, that means at least that they're alive. So, I mean, there's always a blessing, usually evidence of a blessing inside of a complaint. And that kind of helps me to obey scripture as far as in everything, give thanks. So the scripture says in everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. And so we got to ask ourselves sometimes, what is there that we can possibly be thankful for? And that kind of started to build a consistent template in my life. Now, that's easy for me to say, sitting on a step stool in a closet. But. But it's hard to execute. If your nine year old died. I think it will be hard to even fix your mouth to say and everything give thanks that doesn't even I mean that doesn't even sound right but when I take a look at it you almost giving thanks almost helps you to get back up on your feet and so maybe in your life no one plans to to lose somebody like that but positioning your mind to be thankful for the years, the nine years that you did get. Because just like as sure as you got nine years, there's some people who wish they had nine months with their kid or nine weeks, nine more days, nine more minutes. And we kind of have an understanding that life's not promised, 
but it's hard when it feels like a promise has been broken. I've known, um, I know people who've gone through similar losses and it, it, it hits, you know, it's a spiritual gut punch almost. And especially now having kids and, and in a couple of instances, those kids were actually the same age as my kids. And there was no reason why it happened to them and it couldn't have happened to us. It wasn't an act of recklessness. It wasn't a lack of merit. It wasn't a this or that. There's nothing you can pinpoint on it. And in the midst of all that, you 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 see exactly, you, you get an understanding of how fragile life is and how much it is to be appreciated. I mean, it, when I think about it, it just, it almost always gets me teary a little bit about the opportunity, the blessings that we have. And knowing that at least it adjusted my mind state to appreciate the blessings and be a good steward of the blessings for as long as I have it, because I don't know how long I'm going to have it, one way or the other. But scripture says, thanks be unto God who loads us with blessings daily. And over time, I just kind of looked at life like a you know, every day, like a, a opening up a gift box. And you look inside and reach and, oh, man, I have sight today. I have eyes. Um, oh, man, my legs work. I have soundness of mind. I hear my baby crying. Okay, my baby's alive. Okay, oh, you know, it. you just, you just start to treasure not just, not just the moment itself, but you feel like it's something that you've been given again. Because you know you didn't have to have it, you know. I um. Sometimes I would stop and and just be grateful, you know. Talk to my wife, and we're just talking about whatever, and I just say, "Thank you, God." You know, somebody. You know, I got to wake up in bed this morning. You know, somebody woke up in a hospital bed. Somebody's kid has tubes, is breathing through tubes, or eating through a tube, or. Somebody is planning a funeral that they never thought they would have to plan, you know, and so far, um, that's not where we're at. And I know that there's no real amount of, of praying that can stop every bad thing in life from happening. So instead, I have to take the posture of being grateful, being grateful, being grateful, for the things that I do have for the time that I have it. We're very grateful for the gifts that God has given us. And when talking about God, the almighty, the all-knowing, you know, lives in heaven type of thing. And when we talk about God, what is it that we could possibly give him? That's going to be what we'll discuss in part two of this series. And until then, I pray that we recognize and appreciate the gifts that God has given us. Through the existence of Jesus and even up to our lives today.
Kings. Ooh, that one took a turn. But the prayer is, is that in this episode that it starts to recalibrate our gratefulness. And hopefully that that will build a foundation for part two that I can't wait for us to get to on what we can actually give to God. I pray that we start being more aware of the things that we've been given, how God loads us daily with blessings, how he loads you with blessings daily, and how we can give thanks in everything. I think that practicing that now is important for when it becomes hard to do so. But I look forward to sharing more messages with you and the continuation of this one here on the Counselor of Kings podcast.